Hello and welcome to the debug log number 84. Tonight we're going to do something we haven't really done before. We're going to do a game design, I guess, analysis of the hit game, the thing that's taken the game industry by storm this summer, Player Unknown's Battleground, or PUBG. This game is pretty interesting. It has a lot of ins and outs, a lot of different aspects that might not be particularly evident looking at it at first glance. It looks like a third-person shooter, survival, military sim, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot more to it, and we're going to break it down. Hopefully, we can break it down in a way that's useful as you think about your own game designs and what some of these things you can include into your games. So, without further ado, we give you the debug log, episode 84. What do you look like there, Zencaster? Give me a little feeling for where you're going with that. It looks a little low. Once more with some feeling. Some feeling. Just around the river bend, beyond the shore. That Colors man. of the wind. <laughs> Come from the land of the ice and snow with a rag top down so my hair can blow. Zach, name that song. He just said <laughs> Colors of the Wind, but he can't name oh, that I know the song, I just can't. <laughs> name that mashup. You're listening to the Debug Log, a podcast about game development. My name's Andrew Curry. I'm Zach Schneider. And I'm Ryan Kilgore. Yes, three musketeers once again. And you know what? Even though, Obina, you gave me shit for not being on the other episodes, I'm going to be bigger than that. I'm not going to do it. Where is he now? I'll be, I'll be, I'll <laughs> yeah. be, I'll be under that. I'll just, you know, I'll be it's the like, little man. He's actually not busy right now, so that's all I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's probably drunk right now or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, tonight, as you heard in the intro, we're going to talk about one of our favorite games right now, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, and we're going to analyze it. We want to st- we want to start doing this with other uh, games. You know, Zach had the idea to do Breath of the Wild a little while back, and we're still working on that. Um, but I think it, we should have done this before for games like Rocket League and stuff as they come out. These games that are unique into, unto themselves and have usually the reason they get so popular and they get so much traction culturally and just in the whole game industry is because they have interesting little tidbits we can like dissect and stuff. So we're gonna start trying to do that. You know, we're not going to dissect Call of Duty and stuff, but the interesting games of the year, we'll start trying to do it. Um, before we get started, we don't have any new iTunes reviews. What's going on with that? So if you have a free second, go to iTunes, leave a review. It makes our day. Like I said before, if you hate iTunes, download it. Review it, rate it, delete it. <laughs> Do that That's for it. us, please. It's a lot to ask, yeah. I understand. If you hate Apple, it'll make you feel better to yeah. delete one of the products. It's cathartic, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Anyway, so let's get to it. Um, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, also known as PUBG, has hitting the, you know, hitting the game world by storm, not just across players. Like, you can't, like, across even just industry professionals from actually developers, which we are, to just games press. Every single outlet plays a weekly two- or three-hour match game they have on YouTube. Every single streamer is playing this thing. Yeah. It's kind of been an unstoppable beast, hasn't it? 
Yeah, I mean it's 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 everywhere, and like I mean, just like you said, I mean it's it's built up, and for an early access game too, it is just built up such a mass following. And you know, I'm not I'm not even sure like what the social mechanic is behind that for this one to just sort of bubble to the top. You know, I guess it's a combination of the game, maybe people are looking for something new to watch for streaming right now, or you know, just I don't know. But I, I it is hitting it, like gangbusters. Yeah, I think the formula of like the the you know Twitch streaming and doing you know, watching other people play games has really actually made this take off as well. So you watch somebody who's really good go and do this this you know game and they're just destroying people, but it, it, they're still dying. You know. Well, so, yeah. Let's talk about that real quick before we get into like kind of what it is too. Just the idea streaming has helped a lot of games over the past you know since Twitch has been really coming to the forefront the last four or five years, right? It used to be Justin TV, right? And they changed to Twitch, and um, and, and that that's been a phenomenon unto itself that we've talked about. We haven't really. We should get a streamer, or somebody on the show, to talk about that and talk about some of the psychological things of just that in general. But we've seen a lot of um, and a lot of. It's kind of fun just to watch people game play games. A lot of people who don't play games don't really ever understand it, right? Because it's like one thing is like, I don't understand those games. I don't have time to play them, and then they're like, I really don't understand watching games. But for me, that concept has always been very natural because it's like what you used to do when you're playing with your friend on the couch. Yeah. Like you used to spend Saturdays. Just, I, some games that I we would trade off, but some games like, I don't want to play this game. I'll just watch you play it. And it's just totally entertaining. It's fun to watch somebody play a game. You yeah, know, it's absolutely. like watching the story and stuff. And it always confused me when people said that, too. It's like, well, I mean, do you feel the same way about sports? Because, you know, like football, basketball, hockey, you know. Oh, yeah, that's true. Good point. You know, yeah. it's like, because I, like, you know, like at first when I started, before I got into hockey, you know, I said, like, why do people watch this? I have no idea what's going on. But then you start figuring out the mechanics, the players and all that, and like why things are interesting and sort of like some of the cool highs and lows of it. It's like, yeah, then you're really into it. So it's 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 exactly like, you know, just uh, conventional or like, you know, sort of the, you know, usual sports you'd usually watch. Yeah, and I like the fact that you made that parallel to sports because, not, I mean, now that we have like, E3, uh, you know, professional leagues of sports, right? Oh, you mean so like, E-League? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, E-League, yeah. So, like, yeah, Overwatch just had their uh, their national tournament, right? So, or their, um, how, what are they, preliminaries, right? So, I think at um, BlizzCon, they're going to have the actual final tournament, right? So, it's actually, like, this is a real sport. There's real stakes on the line. These kids, these, and kids, these adults are going to actually win money by winning this uh, game. They're kids. Yeah, some of them are, but some <laughs> yeah, are actually. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I mean, you, you age out of a lot of those esports right. when you're like 22. <laughs> well, hell, you know, and, you know, there's I've heard of colleges. Uh, what was, it, was it UVA or somebody was, like, actually giving scholarships for mm-hmm. people oh, yeah. playing, you know, pro- like professional gamers, which, you know, why the hell not? Again, same as any sport. If you can bring well, in yeah. money to the college by playing that, and, you know, why not give them a free ride if they, you know, play Overwatch or StarCraft or whatever? Well, yeah, And it, it kind of seems weird, too, because I think they've always been, like, the, everybody's known, even these corporations knew the potential of those, of esports and streaming and all that stuff and just watching games for the past few years. But they've always been trying to force it with certain games. Like, yeah, well, you know, it's been on ESPN several times and other things. But I think it's just taken a lot of these games to emerge. Like, Dota is huge. Dota just finished the international, and the prize pool was $20 million. Those five kids who won that walked away with $10 million. That's incredible. Um, At the same time, I think uh, NBC Sports is going to air the Rocket League, 
World Championships this year coming up, like in a week or two, which is pretty crazy. But Rocket That'd League's a awesome. great example. It's like these games are coming up. It's like, oh, those games actually, they used to just be first-person shooters. Like, those aren't the best to watch all the time. But then you get some like Overwatch that are fun to watch, you know. So mm-hmm. I just think these games have gotten better at being watchable because they all have spectator modes and stuff. Um, yeah. And then even ba- Battlegrounds right now, they're at, at Gamescom in Germany, they're doing their first ever invitational, which is hilarious for a game that's 100 players because they have to set up 100 computers. With and on dividers. top of that, it's still early access. Yeah. It's all this stuff. Yeah. They're, they're, but they're getting so much money. Yeah. yeah. Um, early access doesn't people. mean much anymore. It's just like, it's not like, sla- I feel like, and this is another conversation to get in, but I feel like it's slapping beta on, when you slap beta on the software, yeah. it's mm-hmm. like, here's an excuse for some things that might not be quite polished yet. No, no, that's not a dig on that that game in particular. It's just kind of a thing, I feel. Yeah, and this game, it actually, it's a, it might be that exception, because I think it is early access, and it's early access in a lot of ways. They just, it's just unexpected success. Yeah. You're like, oh, whoa, 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 you know. Where like you had the opposite where games like No Man's Sky should have probably been early access and because now they just added like thirty hours of story. Do you hear that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, too, I, yeah. I just re-downloaded it to yeah. try to play yeah. some of it, but um, so, it's hard anyway. to get back into yeah. without restarting. <laughs> so. so, player unknowns. But the reason why the just to, to finish the streaming point is that it was interesting, and this is how we all found out about it. Really, it's just because they started doing betas. And it reached out to other streamers and stuff, and it just started trickling out. Like, and when did it come out? It was like May. Or, no, it was like it's been earlier April this or year. March. Yeah, it was definitely early yeah, 2017. Well, so, yeah, the early accessing it came out in early access in March. Um, and so whatever months before that, you know, doing betas, like private betas and stuff. But since then, like you had a big game like last year, like Hitman. Which is I I have really don't want to play Hitman because I don't want to play stealth like games like I just, but it, it was fascinating to watch people play it all year and there's funny streams and stuff because it was just great like that. This game did something that's incredible though it became like that and we really for me not being a person who you know in the past is like playing shooters on a mouse and keyboard I know that's sacrilegious um but like it it made me like I gotta try this now <laughs> and so after watching it every you know like every like few times a week for months it just it really has just been so persistent. It's only grown in the actual, um, and it's it's infinitely washable. And we'll probably break that down and some of the reasons why it's all also really interesting. But yeah, so streaming has really made this game rise to this level. Absolutely. I think. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's let's explain. Maybe you're listening to this, you don't even know what it is. Maybe you do live under a rock or something, and you're just coming into this, or you're just getting into games, right? And you don't know what this is, right? Um, so player known is battlegrounds is a, a battle Royale style game. It's a third person. They have first person modes now too, which they push just as hard. So, but it's basically a third person shooter, survival shooter, where you have a hundred players in just the classic one versus 100 mode. And you all pair, you, you fly in an airplane and parachute down onto an Island. The Island's the same every time, but there's randomized loot drops and everything, and then just just imagine Hunger Games with guns. Right, right. And it's battle royale. That's the original yeah. thing in 2000, mm-hmm. the Japanese movie. Yeah, it's Japanese. It's a Korean movie. It's Japanese. Oh, well, maybe, I, I don't know. It was an Asian I don't movie. Know. Yeah, <laughs> I can't remember. But and that's a classic, awesome movie. So and it's that kind of style, and that's kind of the Hunger Games. I don't know even when Hunger Games was written, so I don't know if it's similar. But it's basically that idea. A bunch of people drop into a place into a match, into a map that's actually shrinking, which causes people to get closer and closer together, causing mayhem until only one person survives or one team survives. 
Um, it's a basic concept. So Hunger Games is a really probably good cultural. People, most people know what that is, yeah. right? It's basically that. Um, and so that's what it is. Uh, and, and that concept's been an interesting thing. There's been a couple other games interesting that have done that. Because even, this is, a, this is not me bragging, but Zach and I talked about this idea like four years ago. We, yeah. we used to go, you know what would be a cool game? And again, this isn't me credit. This is, I'm actually come around on this. And I think this is actually why it's so popular. Because I think everybody had that idea, right? Everybody saw Battle Royale or saw Hunger Games. You think about these shooters. You think about these multiplayer matches we played. And you're like, you know what would be cool if there's something like that in like a game? That would be pretty neat, wouldn't it? <laughs> right? And it just kind of stayed in people's minds mm-hmm. over that long period. And the way it started was, um, what's his name? Um, Brendan Green. He's a he was a Arma Two modder because Arma Two was the military third person, just like this third person military real sim kind of game, very realistic. You load your guns, you know they don't reload when you run out of ammo, stuff like that stuff we deal with in this. Um, and of course, Arma Two had the DayZ mod, which became its own game. And I guess inside of DayZ, he made a battleground of a, a, a mod called DayZ Battle Royale, and it was this basic concept. I never got a chance to play it. I heard about it back then um right it was like three years ago four years ago but because yeah. daisy i i think it's probably when we saw daisy is when we started getting this idea for a game like this yeah. but yeah it's around yeah, that same daisy time. was like the very rough idea of what became like battlegrounds it was a little you know it was a little different idea it was way more open world just like survive repeat just wander around there wasn't any real clear directive right. you know so yeah, and you're absolutely right. That's probably where we start to why we start having that conversation because Daisy was insanely popular. And I watched a bunch of streams of, of that at the time. Like Zach and I were eating lunch and stuff at work, and I was like, "This is really cool." Just put people dropped into a situation, running around at the same time. You had games like Rust that were the same. You had a, and now we've had a whole like glut of these survival games where people drop in an environment and they have to grab loot. And they and you know survive, and a lot of them have gone in the rush direction, like a Minecraft direction, mm-hmm. like they have that arc survival, and we build that, your own base, and then you yeah. survive, and, and you, you have gain to craft and so get you can craft wood. more things. And, yeah. yeah, you start off with like you know a stone axe and a loincloth, and you've got to like figure out how to create AK forty sevens by the end of it or whatever. It's kind of a bit of a learning curve, you know. I made an AK by smashing rocks together. Exactly. Oh, what is you know. I got some berries, some bear shit, and like, you know, this rusty pipe. Okay, there's an AK, so. Right, and Zach and I got into that because we were just into all those games that time. So we got Rust, and we played it for a while, a few weeks there. And that Rust experience was a little... I know a lot of people had a lot of fun with Rust, and we did too for a while we had it. But it was a very um, dark... Not a dark game, but it had like the loop of that game was a very dark cycle. Because you'd have so much fun to be building stuff, and you'd just end up getting murdered at some point two days later. Well, you or get something. murdered in your sleep while you were offline. Yeah. That was, that was no fun. It was a weird loop because it was so fun to do some of that crafting, but it was more fun to find stuff and build up stuff and look for people. But the combat wasn't really great, so you, when you saw people, you couldn't do anything. And also, because those loops were so long, it was just you last forever, you get so invested, and you die, and you just lose everything. You're like, what the? This is not fun at all. And I think... I think a lot of games went in that direction because Minecraft is so popular at the time too, right? Mm-hmm. But what I think is Brendan Green did so amazingly, he's like, no, what? Let's take all that out. This is a multiplayer map, but with this type of stuff, 
no crafting, none of that bullshit. Just, <laughs> just a very tight experience that you know can play it in an hour, under an hour, or something. Yeah. Um, I mean, you made it much more like bite size, like you said. Just strip out all the, you know, the the fat to the thing, and just like try to find some nugget of like very quick enjoyment of that concept. Yeah. And that's what we're going to do. I don't know if I stated that as clearly as I could. Tonight, we're breaking this down, but it's breaking it down to kind of figure out and find out all the ways, one, that the game became a success, but also the interesting ways that it's actually hooking the players and really getting you and why it's addictive. Yeah, and <laughs> like again, this will all kind of loop back into also probably why it's being streamed more, because I think there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of overlap there, why more people are playing it. Um, is also why more people are streaming it is just because it's a much more refined and quick experience, and we'll get into some of that. So self-contained, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, and so it, he did that, and then I guess, um, I guess Arma <clears throat> three Day Z came out as its own game, and the, the mod just kind of went away. And Arma three came out, and he started doing that, but then he kind of got caught up in the professional world. This company started hiring him to consult, and he somehow got hooked up with his Korean company that got bought by another company called Blue Hole, and then they started making this like a year ago. It's only been a year that they made this in. Um, and then they, again, they went to early access. It's been building. This is right now, this is August of 2017. It's, it just broke the concurrent players on steam for any non valve steam game at over 500 or like 500,000. Right. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a big dog on there now. And it just passed like 8 million in sales, you know? So no big deal. <laughs> That's a big game. That's what AAA games make, right? That's what, I mean, so times $30, you, you do the math. That's a lot of money. Um, All right. So let's 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 break this game down. And like what we just said, let's go off of that first point that you just talked about, how it's contained experience. Because one of the, and this will bring him back some of these game design things we've talked about before. We had Jesse Shell on the show, and he talked about interest curves. And I thought that was so fascinating. I love that topic. I even included that. We really talked about that again when I did that mythic structure in game design. You know, having just a kind of a flow for a story and a flow for your game and ups and downs and stuff. And, and the thing that what made this game so insanely watchable at first on, on a stream, and then once we started playing it and just getting into the groove and the rhythm of it, what makes it so fun and playable and addictive, you're like, I'm going to play it again. It's because it's unlike just more most multiplayer matches. I mean, like an like a death match mode in any of your games where you're like, ah, oh, just run around shooting people. There might be some cool moments, right? There's moments here, moments here. It's fun, and even like a game of Overwatch, you do objective type games. You do have phases of the battle, but it's still just a bunch of randomness and shooting and stuff. There's no really difference in what you're doing in those moments, right? How the game plays. You're still trying to evade and shoot people in the same way you did before. Yeah, and it's funny to say, like, when you say, like, <coughs> a self-driven narrative every round and, like, you know, the whole streaming aspect of it, and, you know, you're following one player, it almost, like, reminds me of the old, old 80s movies, like Running Man and things like that. Yeah, it's like, you right. know, you, you look back at those and it's like there was already that sort of, you know, obvious interest in people's heads for something like that. Cause you know, those movies were, you know, fairly successful or at least cult hits back then to watch right. one man try to like fight against others against all odds and try to come out on top. So yeah, that's it. And yeah, the, one of the criticisms of this game, it's a very kind of people, some people bitch about the graphics and other stuff. I think everything's fine. It's solid for what it is. And you know, they have a hundred, I've never played a game with a hundred people in it too. So whatever they can do in that environment is cool. But it has a very generic in a weird way. These names are like sort of like, you know, East European. Some are like, there's yeah. like 
Asian influences and stuff. You're like, where is this? What is this? It's a very big, it's like a big blank slate. You don't know what's going on. There's no situation. But that's kind of provides your ability. There's no lore in the game, right? But it provides you the ability to just create your own story like that, like have your own narrative. Because because what I love about this and what I found from streaming and then playing it is that every match has a story and every match is a very solid structure. Like you might not get to some points in the game, you know? But if you go that whole gamut, it's just this, it feels like this epic thing you went on. You're like, oh, that, that was way back at the beginning of the match when we were doing that. That's right. And every little step of the game, every little step of that narrative structure has a different way you play the game and it shifts your priorities, which is super interesting. Yeah. And one thing that, that after playing for, I guess, a couple of weeks now that I've noticed is I have stories come away coming away from right. this game. It's like, uh, we talked to we we're speaking about how it was like the self-contained experience but it, it's like a string of experiences right now so like andrew will tell me oh you know i was in there and i got killed right away and i'm like oh dude but this last time i played right before you got on i i walked in there and killed three guys with a pistol you know it's like it you have like these these little narratives of like oh i was such a badass that game and then the next game i get shot in the head off the start you know like it's Every right. game is different. So yeah, and that's what I always used to love about Halo. I mean, with those multiplayer games, I always thought Halo was a really fun structure in multiplayer because it really it allowed the opportunity for fun moments to happen. You know, because you didn't die instantly like you did in another game. So there's this craziness, and you sticky grenade on this wheel as it's going around. And the warthog blows. You know, you just have these because that's really what any good movie, any good game, any, it's the moments you you know these stories that you make and that you find out and you, you share whatever. Those are really. And the, what I think is cool about how, you know, the PlayerUnknown's PUBG follows this interest curve um, model is that it literally is like a man, it's like a factory for these stories. You can't play one match without having a story. It might not be very interesting, but so, but it has a structure to it that can be, you know, built upon next time and built on as an experience. You know, you're like, yeah, I went to that house before. It wasn't great. <laughs> You know, I got killed there. Even the negative experiences, and they might not be fun to tell other people, but they become ingrained in you as you get more experience, you know. And something that I've noticed as we've been playing as well is you start really loving and hating certain areas. So like, oh, well, I I have this this, uh, reputation of getting good loot over here. Yeah, because it's the same map, right? We write that, yeah. And then on top of all that, like, there's still like this... uh, I, I had a huge issue with the game when I first started, but it was mainly because I had really bad internet connection, which made my experience really horrible. But, like, I had this overall disdain at that point for the entire game because I literally died everywhere I went. So I was like, oh, all these areas suck. I can't do anything. I can't do anything. And then all of a sudden I have better internet and, you know, Suddenly all my issues aside. Suddenly it was only internet now, problems. <laughs> it, it was not. I still die everywhere. But now I feel like I understand the game a little better. And it just... It like giving those those little experiences and not having everything be negative or positive, you know, like it makes it makes it much more unique. Well, yeah, and the more you play it, the more you experience these sort of interest curves, and that sort of like educates you and gives you some feedback and influences you next time. So it's con- it's constantly shaping and reshaping the way you may think about things in the game, and like you know, because t- like what you're going to do at the be- you know beginning of the game may not be the same thing you do at the end of the game, you know. Um, and and we'll get into some of this along the line of the stages yeah, we'll, we'll of the game. We'll follow down the yeah. line in a second. Yeah, yeah it's like and you, you'll you'll see some reasons for like maybe 
making decisions and strategy, you know, throughout the game and like remembering that for the next round and things like that. So I just realized that we were saying this, this goes again. I mean, I don't know. It it goes back to my mythic structure again. Everybody likes these structures because this literally, it follows what was so intriguing about, I remember I dabbled with some MOBAs for a while, you know, like Dota and League of Legends stuff, because those games were so interesting because they had the exact same model. Not as many as this game, but the exact same, like, oh, you have a picking phase, you have a laning phase, you have a pushing phase, you have a jungle phase, you know what I mean? It's like, it's not just run out there, kill everybody. It's like, oh, hold on, we're doing different things at this point. You know, even we did Smite, you know, like I need to get some levels now before we really push into there. And it's really fun because even though that, I mean, the smite ones went forever sometimes, but even though maybe it lasts 30 minutes or an hour and a half, like when we did a couple of times, we had to stop playing that game because we were staying up too late doing that. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, I didn't like rolling into work and not being able to think. So that was it. Yeah. That's a real quick distinction. When I, we say a lot of times you say like this game is so addicting and hooks you. There's a lot of times the difference between addiction and a, like a, just a really compulsion to play. Like it just hooks me. This game, like, I feel good after I play it, and I feel I want to play more. Addiction, I think, is something where it starts to destroy your life in certain ways, and also where sometimes you're like, I don't, why, this isn't fun right now. Why are we still doing this? But I want to. Got to keep going. <laughs> so, and Smite's a fun game. I don't, I don't want to give it shit, but, like, it, it, it got into that side where we just started, it just wore us down after a while. Yeah. Um. So, all right, so let's do this. So, I, the reason I, like I said, I like these interest curves in here. Because, yeah, everything has phases, but the cool thing about these phases is that I like the idea that the gameplay shifts. Like, what your goals are, what your priorities are, and what the strategy is shifts in each of these things. So, it's like a mini little game in each of these phases. So, this might be kind of, if you've never played this game or know about it, you might be lost in this. But this for people that have, this, we're going to break this down. Yeah, and I mean, we'll, we'll kind of yeah break each stage down. This will probably give you a fairly, should give you a fairly good idea of, like, what the game is and how it progresses. So Right. All right, so once you even, it starts before you even start really playing the game. So once you ready up and it loads in the game, you load into this big like airfield, the broken down airfield. And that sounds dumb in a way, but it's like they need a way to load 100 people in here effectively. You know, it's about a minute. It's very fast because they have so many players now. Um, but on in that loading area, they have, the smart thing is, in a game like this where like an encounter, usually you have one encounter match and you die, especially when you're at the beginning, Right. Once you saw somebody and got into a firefight, you died. So you don't have a lot of time to practice. So in this practice, so in this loading area, they have these picnic tables with all these guns laid out. Every gun in the game, right? And so you get a. So this is the lesser of the awesomeness of these layers, but I still think this is kind of interesting that they, they get they provide like a little bit of a sandbox area at the beginning of this. Everybody's invincible, and you can grab all these guns. And sometimes if you get there fast enough, you can get a gun you never play with and just practice shooting and see how it works and you there's know. your easy fun right there if you want to go to right to Nicole yeah you just get to mess around and shoot people and yeah. punch people in the crotch and stuff like it's fun <laughs> oh, it's always fun <laughs> old andrew knelt in you front of you just um so then that that that's really quick but i just thought i'd mention that because it's nice to have that does it makes it feel fun too at the beginning because people are just doing ridiculous stuff turn off your chat by the way if you're gonna do that because then you'll hear you yeah hear you don't want to hear that negative yeah. stuff but besides that it's just people jumping around and doing goofy stuff so it's already fun at that stage and the another key day, thing to note hang on before we move on from loading yeah. is literally from launch screen when once you hit play you're within you're in that loading area like within, I don't know, like maybe 10 seconds. Yeah, once you ready up, it loads you into this play basically immediately. And then you have a minute, usually less. Usually it's already at 40 seconds. So you're probably like a minute in, 
takes you to get into a game. Yeah, but that, I mean that's that's also the advantage so of having five hundred thousand yeah. people <laughs> playing yeah. your game. So. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not giving all. The, yeah, they have so many people, and there's no matchmaking at all. There's no skills. I was or about anything. to say, do they do any yeah. skill based matchmaking? No, there's no. So yeah. like, then they, they don't have to do what things like Overwatch have to do, which is like, okay, well, let's look at your MMR. What does I it mean? They are doing they are doing cool stuff because they're putting a hundred people in here, which yeah, is no, something absolutely. I never. Yeah, we're not trivializing that. We're just but it it's yeah they don't they're not making there's no logic in that as far outside of just server syncing and stuff. Um. All right. So then immediately you just cut to you're in a plane. So much so it cuts immediately that if you're like on fire with a Molotov cocktail in the game, you will remain on fire in the plane. It'll be streaming. <laughs> you know, that's like a. Fortunately, a fun, you don't take damage at that point. But, you know. That's a fun game uh, production and game coding lesson. You're like, oh, yeah, they were just over there and it literally just transformed them into the plane. That's cool. They didn't, you know, they kept their little effects. So, anyways, so what happens is you start on this big, what is it, a C 130 plane or something? Like sure, one of those yeah. type like that plane. Big military and plane. Yeah, and you're coming in at one of the big old blast door in the back, and you're coming in, um, and you come over. There's just this huge island, you know. There's this, there's a like there's a military base that's its own island, but it's just this big area. I think it's like eight kilometers. They said across. What are you talking about? The whole like, the whole play area? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I it, it's, it's it's pretty darn big. Yeah. I mean, I mean it would take you ten minutes like to drive across it, probably. Yeah, maybe. It, it's a hefty. Man, it's a hefty five, place. Minutes, yeah. yeah. And I mean, you this, couldn't run across it in twenty. Yeah, yeah, it'd take forever to run across it. Yeah, because we've tried running away from that wall that we'll get to. It's, it takes a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it is eight kilometers because it's A to H, right? And the and it, each, each one of those each is a cell kilometer. Cell, so. Okay, yeah. So it's yeah, like so, it's, the grid is so. So then, so okay, so what's happening here is that one, you're just waiting, it's anticipation, but then you get to where you see what happens. So every match, the the plane actually flies in just a a linear path across the map. But it can, it's a randomized thing. It's random generation. So it can be from like north to south, you know, southeast and northwest. You get it. It's just any kind of turn yeah. of the wheel. But not, Different not also vector that. Different every time, yeah. Yeah, and not just perfectly through the middle either. Sometimes it just skims the outside of the southern tip of the island or something, right? Sometimes it's a very shallow. And so immediately this the, this beginning area, your team, especially if you play squads, that's primarily do. You have to look at the map and go, all right, what am I doing? Because at this point, once they start going over the island, you have the ability to jump out anywhere. So this is your one decision you can make. Can't shoot anybody right now. I can't do any of that stuff. All you can do is just say, where do I want to go? Right. And so then you start getting into weird men- mental head games like, well, I could go to places where people are, but then that's scary. Or I could go, you know. And what I love is over time, this is something we experienced. And I saw that in the streaming people that kind of were learning the game is that you end up at the beginning. We've kind of come full circle. At the beginning, you go, "I don't want to go. I don't want to jump anywhere people are going. I just want to go as far away from people as possible and like just get some guns and stuff." And then after a while, you get tired of looting and stuff, and for thirty minutes, and then just dying. So you're like, "Let's just jump into the shit right away." And now you have fun with that for a while, and then after a while, you're like, "Well, I'd like to have a chance to win, so let's jump." Oh. <laughs> Dance party. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, then you're like, let's just jump into the place where it's medium, right? There's going to be some people there, but we can get some loot and be in the middle of it. Um, and that, that I guess, is somebody put out there. I guess there's certain towns and certain areas, you know, people always like to go. There's a school, there's a hospital, there's a mansion, all that stuff that people love to go. And the cities are high traffic areas, and they also have high loot potentials, right? But there's going to be a lot of people. Yeah. So that goes all into your decision at that point, where before you even jump out of the plane. 
Yeah, and that that and like you said, it is kind of an interesting mental thing that happens. I mean, it's you know, like you're saying, like, do I want to be bothered with like getting in the shit with a lot of people, or you know, do I just want to go off into an area I think may have some decent stuff, or I think may where the play area may spawn, and like you know, sort of just hang out there and hide out. So you know, you you you, you start kind of like picking and choosing sort of what you're in the mood for, and like trying to target that. And um, you know, like Andrew said, we kind of came full circle and like you know what, we kind of like getting in the crap in the beginning now because again, at least you've killed somebody by the end of it. So right. And, that, and then it's fun because you can walk away with some points. Um, and, and what's cool about this, so any other game, there's been a lot of games that do this when you, like, say it's a multiplayer match, you respawn. Um, Halo and other stuff doesn't do that. They just respawn you away from people, right? Um, and so, But there are some big games or big, like, Planet Side, I think one of those games, where when you die, you can pick, or even Call of Duty, you can pick where you respawn, right? You're like, oh, I want to do it right here. Or Battlefield was the big one that did that, right? You could say, I want to be on this. Because Battlefield had huge that maps, not the size of this, but they had big old areas like this. And you can just pick, and that's kind of fun. But if this was a Battlefield game, what would happen is you go, doing, and you'd be on the ground right there. And that's it. You made a decision, one-to-one decision. What's so interesting about this game is they make you fly in this plane. It takes a while. It takes to get there. They make you make a decision to jump out. But then, in your, when you're, then you're in the air. You can't shoot in the air. You're just skydiving. But at that point, you still had the decision you made, but you get the opportunity to look around and see if other people, if a lot of other people jumped with you. Yeah. That and that's a different decision making. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because you, like, you want to, like, yeah, you, it just becomes a different phase. Now you're not really deciding exactly where. You've already jumped, so you're now you're in a limited of scope of where you could reach through the air. Well, yeah, right. and, and yeah, now your mind's sort of like also doing the calculation of like, okay, well, I made like you said, I made my decision of where to go for whatever reason that was. Now here's the next state. Oh shit! Okay, so I'm I'm right. I'm parachuting down, and I'm gonna look around. Oh, there's like five other people going where I am. Now you're mentally preparing for fast and furious firefight, you know, or maybe there's no one around. And you're like, okay, so you kind of dial down the adrenaline and you're like, all right, I've got time to poke through a bunch of these buildings and really sort of load up on stuff. So right. And so, and that, and it's it's the equivalent to like the why it's fun. The all these the shifting strategy, the shifting strategy is like the play, like a football game, American football game for the internationalists, <laughs> where they make they make the play, coach calls play, whoever calls play, then they get up the line. They have the players they have, they have the formation or something, you know. But then you get to call an audible if you see the defense. That's what basically this is. You jump out of the plane and you see the defense. You're like, oh, hold on, there's 80 people jumping where we are. Let's yeah. r- run away from this area, change the plan. So that becomes an interesting. It's just, it's just a. It, it's weird when you play the game, right? Like, yeah, of course you have to jump out of the plane and then you're going down. But when you analyze it from a game design standpoint, it makes it really interesting because it allows you to keep compounding on decisions you made. Because this, we'll get to why it's important. The decision you make here is also very important to your survivability in the match later on, as far as position and then as far as loot equipment and stuff like that. Um. Okay, so as you're coming down, <laughs> the, then it becomes a fun, frantic stage of the game, which is also one of my favorite parts of the game. You land down, you, you, have an, you, have, you can customize your look with clothes you can buy with points in the game and stuff, but you have no weapons. You're, you're, you can also just be naked in underwear if you want to, but you have nothing. Oh, yeah. And so the immediately, like we said, there's loot, there's guns, there's weapons, there's armor all through these houses and areas throughout all the map. So you're trying to land and get to something as soon as possible, right? Um, and they do a pretty good job. I think they do a great... I mean, we bitch about it when we don't find anything, but I think that's actually a really good kind of bad, right? <laughs> because 
it, every house does doesn't have its own version of guns. There, you could go through three houses and not find guns. You're like, what the fuck? Like, what the? <laughs> and so it becomes this big thing in the beginning. Also, too, when you land near somebody, there's a frantic stage. It's like, oh, there's a house. Nobody's around it. I can run here real quick and look for something. You also land near people sometimes. They're right next to you. Both of you don't have guns, but you can go up and start duking it out with them and punch them. And it becomes even more frantic when you land away from somewhere, but they land nearer to a gun. So it's that movie moment where, like, the gun's on the floor in between you, and you both start running at it. You're no, no. And you start punching each other, like, give me the gun, give me the gun, give me the gun. And then somebody usually gets shot in the head, you know, because somebody equips the gun, shoots, you know. Um, but I love that first stage because it really is a stage in the game once you play it and you understand it. From the moment you don't have a, an actual proper gun, even just a pistol, really just a pistol, not even like a... From the moment you drop to the moment you have a pistol, that is a little cycle of the game. Because once you get a pistol, don't you always go, okay, I got a pistol, now I'm going to look for some other stuff. Yeah, yeah right? You feel fat. Well, yeah, There's no panic well, anymore, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like once you get that pistol, you're like, I've got range, I've got, you know, you know, I've got attack, you know, I've got, a, I've got some teeth now. So if somebody comes up on me, you know, I'm not just having to run at them with a crowbar, like vulgar language or something like that. So. <laughs> you're right. Yeah. So. And... and 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 they do an interesting, we'll get into the types of loot they have and how that builds up. But there's also some matches where you land and you get some really high level armor right away, but you still don't have a weapon. So you're like, well, this is good. Like there I feel like there's always three there's like three channels in this. It's weapons, health health, you know, items, and armor, right? You're always trying to build both of those three tiers. And it's like, it's like I got a bunch of first aid kits, but I don't have any guns or any armor, so this will be handy. Every one of them is just as valuable. You need all of them at the end. Yeah, and there's but there's, it just there's also another category which, which are upgrades, and that's you know. Oh yeah, that's so, true. I, yeah, I forgot yeah. That. That's right. and, but I mean, but I, I kind of agree with you though that it's like the main thing you're looking out for is like so you've got uh, what would you say weapons, armor, and med and health. Ki- health, but yeah. and then there's also backpacks. So your capacity. Oh, to yeah, I forgot even, about that yeah, too. To, yeah. Your capacity to even carry any of these. And then there's another layer there too, which are gun upgrades, which you know actually plays a huge factor in the game. So say you may have like say a nice assault rifle, which you know inside a house can be quite useful, but you know you you can switch firing modes and get say maybe single fire. But if you don't find a scope, you know you have a severe prop range problem in a lot of aspects of the game. So yeah, so there. So I guess to expand on what Andrew said, I'd, I'd really put it in five like different things right, you're looking agree. for. I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's like you've got that whole like guns, armor, health, or like or healing, and then you've also got like accessories and capacity, and so you're you're constantly trying to build all those up, and maybe sometimes making sacrifices because hey, I've got less capacity. Do I take the scope or do I take the med kit? Because it's like offense or defense at this point. So. Yeah. The, the play between yeah finding because the the stuff. That's, that's really the the game design crunchiness of it. And it seems just so simple. When you first start watching this, you're like, oh, they're just getting loot and they're going to shooting people. What is it? But when you really start playing it and you understand the motivations as you play it, you're like, oh, this is like pretty cool, actually. Because the, 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 the risk reward, what, what happens is that all those things are super important at the end. You need gun attachments. You need some health kits. You need some energy drinks. You need you need everything really yeah. actually to be successful. I mean, to have a good chance of succeeding. But it's really about it's really about you making a decision at that time about the the the, the probability of finding things right. So you're like, oh, there's a scope. I usually don't find scopes, or I found four scopes last game, and it can be random, you know, too. So like, should I drop the scope or should I keep the first aid, you know, this med kit or something? 
Um, you should keep the scope in that case, by the way. But like, like, yeah. I, but yeah. but like you said, the backpack too is a big thing because there's like a backpack and a level two of backpacks where you can't carry much until you find a backpack, and you can go a whole half a game to sometimes without finding a backpack, so you can't pick up anything really. Um, there's yeah. a really they, I think this is this is one of the biggest because a lot of the other systems. Well, there's other great game systems, but this is one of the best like systems designy thing in the game. You know how this loot interplays with each other and. I'd love to see the work and probably testing that went into the randomization of this, you know, the procedural generation of these different areas and how that kind of, how they balance that. Cause I think it's really well balanced and I guess they're tweaking it all the time, but just to the games where you land and find shit, nothing to the games where you find awesome stuff, but how the game balances that out, you know, where it is, how positionally it is. I'd love to know if that's like dynamic to where positioned is from where we know the, they know the circle is going to be and stuff like that, you know? That yeah, would be I'd, interesting. I'd, yeah, I'd love to see, like you said, sort of the, the parameters of the system and, like, you know, what knobs do they have and how do they affect each other. Um, I'm sure they'd never show that to you because then you can start probably picking it apart, oh, yeah. you know. <laughs> but, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, because yeah, in, the, in the custom matches, you can actually go in and they show the probabilities of all those things, but they're just sliders. Like, yeah. this game is balanced, so I'd love to see the ratios of that balancing, right? That's what I'd love to see and how... Because position, like we said, that jump, the first decision you make is a positional where you are in the map. How, like they, they've shown that there's some of those areas and cities are likely to have more loot. Does the position of the circle to where you are affect whether the cities have more or less? That's just, it's just a lot of neat. Um, statistical game system yeah. design stuff going on there that's and really cool. And what are they tuning it for too? Because it's like, are you tuning it for like game length, like balance, or like balance, yeah, I don't know, you know, like or just like yeah, I don't know. And it's like, I, I don't know. Like I can think of a lot of like different reasons to tune it a certain way. And then even like maybe are are they applying some sort of like machine learning to kind of like look at their parameters and give feedback for whatever they're targeting this game for? So it's pretty neat, right? Okay, so I'll I'll say that's let's go. So after the first fight, first everything. Once you get your first gun, that's a cycle, and then I I would say the next level of strategy because then you calm down. It's not a frantic thing because people kind of spread out. Because you'd be surprised how I many hundred people can spread out and not see each other for just a little bit, yeah, at least they, ten minutes or so. Sometimes out and thin out because once you've gone through that first phase of killing, either people have run away, you've killed them, or they just drop somewhere else. So now your density drops. Yeah. Right. And so, like, it just, this is the thing. Anything can happen in this game. We'll talk about that plot twist in a second. Anything can happen, but I'm just talking about the average experience of probably most of the games you play, about half the games you play. Like, yeah, you land, get, you get a first gun pretty quickly, you feel better, then you loot for about 10 minutes, right? You find a couple houses, and then you eventually, in a standard game now, not like the outliers, but in a standard game, there's a first level of gear. Cause now, so the level, like, with the backpack, and with the armor, they're leveled, right? It's level one or level two or level three. And then with your guns, sometimes it's like, it feels the guns aren't leveled, but it feels like sometimes finding them is leveled because you're like, well, I found some pistols. Here's a shotgun. And then it feels like it takes three or four houses the, on average to find a assault rifle, a right. big old gun. And right. well, I, yeah, I don't, yeah, it's like the weapons aren't explicitly leveled, but you've, you've got slots, right? And so... I, you know, I kind of feel like, you know, your primary slot's usually where you'll have an assault rifle. And I, I, I think the primary and secondary, it's really, it really doesn't enforce anything, but your third one is a pistol all the time. So if, if I had to, I guess, kind of make an analogy for it, it's like it sort of goes in, re like, 
reverse uh, priority from like uh, what slot it's in. So basically like the slot three where you have the pistol, you're going to find a lot of pistols and things like that. So that's pretty common. And then you, you'll have your, your shotguns and more close range sort of low capacity weapons. You know, that's like your second slot. And that first slot where you're going to look for all the assault rifles and just like uh, regular rifles for like sniping or just, you know, carbines and things like that. That's going to go in that first slot. And those are going to be a lot harder to find. So it's like they sort of sort of section those off percentage wise based off the sort of the, the weapon slot yeah and so and i i would say about that point to that point you feel um you you got a decent amount of, i have them out of order here that you have a decent amount of uh loot or whatever you feel so okay in an average game on average and then the thing called the circle comes into play <laughs> so <laughs> oh, this is this circle this is the genius part of it and they didn't even invent it's hunger games is that in battle royale they don't do that in battle royale oh, battle you're talking about- well, I, it's been a long time since I saw Battle Royale. I thought there was some mechanism to push them closer together. Yeah, I don't I guess remember what it was though. Like in Hunger Games, remember it's like one smoke and one's like gorillas or something. What's yeah, it's like, well, I thought those were like awesome. the weird traps. They were like, ah, get them, boys, and like. But it pushes of, them in. You can yeah. see it on the map pushing them in. I that's a, what is this? There's just a wall of gorillas. That'd be great. <laughs> what, what is it? This it's like Planet of the so, Apes. Yeah. But this is so fascinating, too, the way they do this. Okay, well, let's talk about the circle. This is the bigger, other awesome level of this game, design-wise, is that, say that, like we talked about in the Hunger Games, there, there's an outer perimeter to this island to where you can go. And the idea is you want people to center to some point because you want to force confrontation. So what you do is you shrink that perimeter by having, like, a force field. This is like a wall of lightning or something. Mm-hmm. And if they're outside that circle, you die pretty quickly, right? You start losing health and you well, die. Well, it, it depends. So, like later in the game, it does a lot more. Right, damage. it gets even more. It's, yeah, yeah, so like inversely in the game. Yeah, it's inversely yeah. proportional to like elapsed time. So really early on, if you're outside it, it just kind of it's you know it's kind of like mosquito bites, but it's you like know, tickling you, it. Yeah, yeah. You you start getting into the the core of the game, like the end well, that's game, what, and, and it starts re- it starts taking yeah. chunks. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I talked about in the end game too, because it really does change. <laughs> this whole game changes if you last into the top ten, which I've done a couple times. And it like you're like, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, get serious about this now. <laughs> but um, so it starts circling in, and so that's how it works in that. Like, so we'll just keep saying Hunger Games. It works that movie. It closes. That's it. There's no drama to that. What this Wait. does is so incredible is that. They have an outer outer circle, and randomly they'll pick a smaller circle in the middle of it, and they'll say four minutes till this thing closes to that circle. So this does the classic, you know, the Hitchcock thing, like a, the suspense, you know, versus shock or whatever, whatever you say. Like it's more interesting if if there's a bomb on the table and it explodes all of a sudden, like you watch a TV show, like what the. It's more interesting if you see the bomb under the table at the beginning of the episode and you know it's going to explode. And that's what this thing, it creates so much tension and strategy and people camping at the gate, the line of the circle closing because you're like, okay, that's there. We know where it's going to be now. It just isn't closing on us randomly. But we're like, but you, you have the ability, it's the risk reward thing. It's like, I need to loot some more houses. I don't feel like I've gotten to that first level of gear yet. I don't feel I'm whole as a person right now. I need to keep looking. But then the circle starts closing, and you start to get – you can get behind in that, and it becomes a real fun dynamic of balancing those two things. Yeah, so one thing – well, I mean, we kind of mentioned it a little earlier is that, you know, it it makes circles within circles, right? So, But the first one is it gives you this white circle, right? And then you're like, okay, well, I have two minutes and 30 seconds or or three minutes until – the the blue line starts appearing and shrinking down right? right so then now you're balancing okay do i sit here and loot or do i 
you know, sometimes it could happen that, that that circle is on the complete other side of the island. And you're like, okay, do I spend my time looking for loot? Or do I spend my time looking for a vehicle to get all the way across the level and then try to find loot while I'm over there? So, like, you're, it, it's constantly uh, making you have to reevaluate your, your tactics, which right. is really, really cool. Yeah, and I have to. I'll, I'll, we have other parts of this outline. I'll include it in this form because we're this is we'll we'll talk for four hours and we keep going on this. Yeah, yeah. But but this this we'll tie this into just this actual interest curve too. The whole idea that this does like you know it's like Skinner box stuff, right? We have you have fixed, uh, you know you have fixed interval rewards, you have fixed uh, ratio rewards and variable ratio and variable interval. And this circle, like the reward in the game, is not just winning. It's also like the funness of it, right? It's the interesting thing of it. Problem with Rust and those other games, you drop in, you get some loot, you get some stuff. You're like, now what? There's nothing happening. You don't, this thing is like, it has a consistent thing. I don't know what the time or countdown is, but it's like five minutes it comes in, then three minutes, then two minutes, and at the end it's fast. And it gets faster, it gets more uh, punishing, like you said, Zach, right? It, everything, but it's a fixed amount. That's not a randomized thing. It's random where it goes, but you know, this is what the first part of this, and this is. That's like kind of, I mean, that really carries the weight of a lot of this interest curve thing and it drives it is this circle because that makes it when you're playing it, and especially when you watch a stream of it, you can watch a stream of any game like this is boring, they're just playing a game, playing a game, fine. You watch any stream of this and watch somebody start a match and you know in 20 minutes it's going to get kind of interesting no matter what because he's going to have to start moving and there's going to be action. You can guarantee there's going to be action within a 10 minute period, right? That's what's oh, so cool about yeah. it. It's just fascinating because you're like, no, because that was the thing about Rust. We could walk around for days and not see anybody. And then, like Jack said, we get murdered in our sleep. And we're like, well, that wasn't fun or interesting, <laughs> you know. But this is like, it's. I just love it because there's a guarantee of so, we might die, but something that, like, shit's going to go down. But it's going to happen. Two yeah. seconds. Yeah, in about a minute, we're going to be forced over there. And I know guys are there because they just always are. <laughs> uh, I think you touched on it a little earlier Um but I just want to reiterate, like when this this circle here, this white circle, a lot of times what people will do is they'll they'll run to that circle immediately and then post up right on the edge. And you were talking about how uh, they could just post up there and they don't have to worry about the circle encroaching. But one of the things that they can do is wait for those people who are real panicked, who are running a little late, and who are getting damaged by the uh, uh, you know by the big blue wall that's that's basically encompassed them. And they get easy pickings, you know, they do to, right. like just tap them with a pistol and they die. And then that kind of gives you a little bit more reward in the end. So, right. And I'll mention too, before we move on to the next part too, that the idea when we talk, talking about the reward scheduling and stuff too, this game is brutal. Like when you, as it, it has the, the uh, you know, the reputation of being brutal. Like you're going to die. This is like Dark Souls. And they kind of get around to being hard because Dark Souls is like, no, just accept that you're going to die a billion times and just have fun with it. And he's like, okay. You're going to die a bunch, and it feels very, especially when you start playing your first solo matches and stuff, it feels very intense, right, and cold and brutal. Now, it actually feels so, I was like, I'll just jump in this house. I don't care. You don't feel scared anymore. You're just like, oh, let's having fun. But at first, it just felt very concerning. <laughs> You're like, I'm, it's like, as if you would in real life, right? I'm on this island. I got to find guns. I got to, there's people trying to kill me, you know? But they do so much smart things with those, um, the, they, they start doling out that variable, um, interval rewards right or the variable ratio rewards where it's like we're not telling you what it is or what it is but they help you along it's like oh here's a pistol he's like are you that much more powerful no but you feel better right and the rewards keep building up and then the i think the thing like the circle being at a fixed interval it because after you played it a few times you start to understand the system you're like oh i know at least that's going to happen and i can plan around it 
Right. It doesn't become some, there is random generation. So it becomes an interesting, you know, it goes back to that idea that it's like, Oh, this is fun. I don't know what this is. Right. I mean, it's, it's, a, it becomes more variable at that point, but it, the structure of it is fixed. So you, you can really map out the time of a match, right? Like it doesn't matter if there's 50 people left and the circle gets to a certain size matches. I, I'd love to see like the, like the, the array of the match length, you know, if they have the stats of that. Because they, I feel like they all have to come down into like a five minute or ten minute period. Yeah, how long they are. Well, and I think I think that's kind of what makes the game right is that order within the chaos. It's like a lot of these other right. games we've discussed, it's very structured. They're, yeah, they're free yeah. reign chaos, but this adds an element of order to say, here's what you're planning around, here's what you need to worry about, and you better think about it or else you're not going to survive. So, and it, and it's I just think that it's like thinking about this. You think about your games, and from a game designer standpoint, it's neat because. What it does, it takes a lot of chaotic, cool, fun, emergent systems, right, together. But putting something on it at first would seem very brutal and very, and it is, you'll, you'll, I mean, it's been the death of us, you know, 25% of the time is that damn circle or being forced in by that circle and being shot. So it creates those moments. So it's a wonderful moment creator, but even putting very tight constraints, just like Dark Souls kind of does too, putting brutal constraints on it sometimes makes the player feel more comfortable, you know? Because you're like, oh, that's at least something we know what we're doing. I can get outsmart. And like, I like enjoy trying to outsmart the circle and go around it. And it's like, they're all there. So I bet I could go around here because nobody's over there, that circle, you know, because I, because it allows me, while it makes us all forces into it, it allows me as a player to go, gives me a sense of empowerment because I'm like, mm-hmm. at least I get to predict where people are pretty effectively. You know, I was like, I bet they're all up there in that town. I could go around there and nobody would be coming from behind me. Even though I'm running from my life from a lightning wall, <laughs> you feel calm about it. Because, like, at least I know that's a constant. Death and taxes, that's right behind me. <laughs> I don't know what's ahead of me, but I know I can handle this, even though it's brutal. So I, it's just a very weird, paradoxical, like, game design elements coming together that you wouldn't normally think of, which I think is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that's the big... we got to keep going through this. We're going to talk about yeah, we're, we're for getting- a long time. <laughs> We're getting to the end now. We're getting to the end. So the circle is a huge thing. That again, I think that's the backbone of what really this interest curve is and what it does. And we're kind of peppering in with what the different stages are. So, like I said, you find your first part of the, uh, you know, your first set of loot that you feel comfortable with. Then you start playing the circle game, positional. If you're really far outside the circle, you got to find a car because that's absolute because you can't run fast enough to catch up to it. And if you're inside the circle, you don't know what to do. Sometimes you're like, I guess we keep going around, but I don't want to get away from where we are. Um, so then you just keep going from house to house, avoiding people, trying to find loot. If that was all it was, it would be pretty boring for a while, you know, and sometimes you can get a rut where you're not actually going after danger and it's boring. But then they do have a lot of fun things in there. They do, you know, this is where the variable rewards come back into it because there's a lot of, I'm calling them plot twists, right? Yeah, plot twists like, oh, we found cool vehicles that are fun. We found a dune buggy and, and a motorcycle. Let's mess with this. Of course, the, the biggest thing that happens is you, as like yes, this is I know it's part of the game, but it does it, it never feels normal when you run into people. It's always in the most random way, right? It's always we're inside a house like Zach family, we were in the side of a house like, did you hear footsteps door? Like, no, I didn't. And you just see somebody walk into the room and just mow you both down, you know, in just a dumb way. You're like, Jesus. Why <laughs> we're we're like over there counting bullets. We're like, I have forty, you have like no. <laughs> um you have crate. They have a crate just like in Actually, Rust, right? Sorry, where... sorry to interrupt okay. you there, Andrew. Uh, but you were just mentioning uh, like us talking to each other and actually counting bullets. Did you have we mentioned yet the fact that like you people can hear you talk on your headset? 
It's like positional audio. Yeah. Well, and the fact that if you're like, if you're saying, hey, hey, what's going on? Blah, 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 blah. You know, somebody could potentially hear that outside the wall. Oh, yeah. Right. Because we've had that people. Yeah. We've had people like access and all sorts of stuff. Is it it positional or is it push to talk? Um, It's push to talk. It's push to talk. Yeah. It's press T. Yeah. So we don't do it automatically. So if we 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 talk in Discord, so we just avoid that. But yeah. we can taunt people. We had also we didn't tell you Zach. This is I'm going to decide. We like for example of that to the listeners. <laughs> that Ryan and I were playing the other night, and we had a when it wasn't we had a guy come into a room. I think he they had killed you on the way into that room, and they're like, "We're going to kill you." Remember that something? There's some moment where there people are taunting us outside of us, and we ended up oh, yeah. killing both of them. We no, no, we downed no, both we, of them. Neither one of us had died. Yeah, and this guy was taunting us. He was like, "You can't shoot through walls, idiot!" And he oh, like he was sitting yes. like down at the bottom of the building, just like that's what he's like. I wait here all day, guys. Fine. Yeah, and, and we, we just jumped, jumped out, off the building and killed him. <laughs> yeah, we jumped out of the building, came around, and he's like, oh, and we killed him. Like, yeah, yeah. whatever. See, <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> you. Who yelled at us? We got you. <laughs> but those are those moments. The the, the, ran, the random encounters because like like I said, you're obviously going to run into people, but they always come off as being this fun. They're always surprising because the world is so vast and the environment's so varied. You're always the best moments we've had. We had an awesome kind of epic black cop down kind of urban fight with his team one time where we're like. I'm just walking down an alley, and then this, the vehicle just rolls up in the alley, and people pour out of it. I'm like, Ryan, Zach, get up there. And Ryan, Ryan's survived all of us, and he's up on the roof trying to, like, snipe people off. It was cool. Um, they have crates where they randomly come in and drop pretty high-level interesting loot, but not usually worth it, right? But everybody, you get that little bit like, oh, i got to get that crate. Yeah, I mean, it's there's good stuff in there. Like, you know, I've found things like Tommy guns and, like, better armor. Yeah, and really all this good great stuff, but it's stuff, like, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's got smoke coming out of it. It's usually in the middle of a field or something. So it's basically, hey, shoot me in the back of the head while I do some housekeeping type of well, thing. Well, yeah, the, crate, the crates are neat game design things, too, because they're, they're basically dropping, like, kill boxes where that crate mm-hmm. is, right? That's what they're doing. And the way they can do that, it's not just good loot. There's loot like the Tommy gun, but, like, the best sniper rifles in the game and like there's a 15x scope you can only get from that crate so there's always this scarcity thing and this exclusivity thing you're like but what if it has the lottery winner in there what if i get the ghillie like the ghillie suit you can only get from that crate so you're like but that would be amazing if i did oh, fuck it, i'm gonna go with that crate <laughs> you know i've seen people and if you see we watch i watched the stream today i'm giant bomb and they're like you see them go they have one guy in their team always goes for the crate and they're like oh my god damn don't go for the crate but you see that and you see because they were on top of this kind of ridge and you see like four other teams just streaming in towards the crate and it became this bloodbath and it was awesome um <laughs> Uh, we have, yeah, and then we also have another thing. We have the, it doesn't actually, this is the least of these things, but it does make it somewhat interesting. It, it, they have these things called these danger zones where every now and then they'll have another circle of just red and they just start doing, uh, <laughs> like, yeah, like carpet bombing, bombing, yeah, carpet bombing. And there, I've seen people on streams go, this never kills you. I died twice from these damn things. They will uh, kill you. You know what? Speaking about that, like last, I was playing last night by myself before like you guys got on. And I drove a vehicle into like, into a little village. I got into the house. All of a sudden, the red area came over. It killed not only the vehicle that I was driving, but every single vehicle that was around me. <laughs> so it, yeah. it, it killed like three vehicles. I was like, yeah, well, that's great. Thing. And of course, the circle's on the other side of the freaking planet. So, um, And so... And so the cool, the cool, like the kind of the, the game design part of this, like the mastery, you know, like player mastery, which is the 
that I play 300 hours of Rocket League because that game is just pure mastery curve, right? It has such a good, like, I'm getting better. I'm getting better. I'm getting better. This is fun because I feel skill. This game does that in a fun way, but this game has so many rewards as we go up. Like with these interest curves things, when you suck at the beginning, we might not make it too far, right? You might not get to these other parts. But if you once you're mastery and you feel better about it, you'll get some games where you're, you know, we finished pretty high on the couple top, but we suck. That was luck. But when you get better, when you last to the end, you understand what's at stake. You know, you can luck yourself into the end, but you're not really in that game mode and you'll just die immediately. Um, so once you have the the standard thing, once you've gone through this looting stage and the circle gets closer and closer, there's a point in the game where it's like standard loot is fine, but you have to have high level stuff. I mean, people win, I'm sure, on amazing stuff, but like a scope, like you said, like an actual rifle, any of those things, these high level, just forget that they're guns, forget the things, just from a game design standpoint, these high level rarity items, you need them, right? So then the the game naturally balances that, and that's why it's so interesting. It balances it by making you confront people and you steal from them. Because once you, part of the looting is hopefully you're killing people and then you loot their stuff and they have it. So you start getting this cross-pollination of the loot system, which becomes interesting. Because it's, which I think would be really hard to balance, but I don't think it matters at this point because it's just everybody's dying left and right at this point, you know. Um, and so then you get to the, the other stages, I'd say, like there, there might be a stage like, let's say this is a perfect game, not even an average game, because at this point, an average game has stopped. You've already died. A perfect game is you get this far and you have a really nice gun with a nice scope and nice body armor, right? And you're in good position because that's the other thing that, the, the end of this circle could be in the middle of a wide open field, which I've seen before, or it could be a bunch of houses. Yeah. If, if it, you get into good position where you have a good spot where you can kind of you know, go prone or something or kind of be stealth about it, you can be in a good position. So if you get to that point, you get lucky enough to get in the top 10, the end game of this is a wholly different game in it. It's like picking off pixels and like seeing people, it becomes this major, like this huge game of chicken. Where or, you've been careful to go ahead. Or it becomes like, you know, almost a typical death match at that point because you got what you got. And I've seen it get so, like, it's so compact that it's like you're fighting door to door, you know, like almost like a real war. But like right there, it's like you, there's no more of this hide or wait. It's just like the circle's encroaching. And at this point, it's going to take huge chunks out of me. So if I don't run into the middle of this hot zone and just keep my wits about me and start firing, then, you know, I'm done for. But I mean, there's been, I've also seen other scenarios too, where it's like, you know, maybe it is encroaching on a field, like you said. And all of a sudden, people are just trying to pick and snipe at each other. So. I think that's one of my favorite things about the circle is end game. It kind of kills those campers, you right, know, cause like, to, yeah, they can't it absolutely yeah. has to. Yeah. Yeah. So like it, you don't have to like worry about, okay, well I, you know, I have to, well, sometimes you do. Cause sometimes the people get lucky and where their position is, is in the new circle. Um, but for the most part, if you got to move, so does everyone else. So kind of like at, at at one point it can get to be like a game of chicken. You're like, okay, well, who's gonna get up and start running first? Game, and if you start running, if you start running and I start shooting you, will that allow me to get into the safe area in time? You know, yeah, it becomes a '90s John Woo movie because at certain point they're just running at each other, shooting and stuff. Like you know, ah! the, the weird. Yeah. You see videos of this at the end, and so yeah, it just it, that's a totally different game and. And then if you win, you get a chicken dinner, winner, winner, chicken dinner. This become the thing that everybody likes. But what I'll say about this one is wrapping this up now, it's been an hour. We can go, what's so cool about this is that the main structure of this game, 
And the reason, again, I'll reiterate why I call running into people random encounters, maybe just for us, maybe we're not so, we're not pro level. We wouldn't think of them that way. Because the main structure of this game, it's kind of relaxing in a way because it's like a Diablo game. It's like loot. It's like those randomized rewards and finding where we are and getting to, I was like, a new house, get some more loot. That really is the driving force of this game for a long time. And it's so genius because it's a survival game. And if the main kind of fun of it's finding loot and kind of finding positions, those are as it's just a perfect situation from game design standpoint because it's a risk reward thing. It's like, how much do you, because as you get, if you could be the happiest boy on Christmas morning and get all this stuff and you immediately become frightened because you know you're about to get killed probably randomly because you, because the more stuff you get, the more stakes are into that match. You're like, I, I like got everything analogy. I need. That's everybody's Christmas yeah. right there. Yeah. I got all my presents. Now it's time to die. Yeah. Now your parents are dead. <laughs> you're like, what? Oh, it's kind of a Disney movie. Because yeah. it doesn't feel like that. Sometimes you find an awesome scope and then you just get sniped like, yourself. Like, oh, my God. Because And then at the end, like I said, like you said, Ryan, that like it has to become... Uh, you're like, fuck it, I'm just gotta go and do this because because you you've you've had all this loot and all this stuff and that becomes like you know you gotta throw the ring into Mount Doom now you got all this way you're like I don't yeah. want to give it up I don't want to give up all this stuff I'll carry you sir <laughs> yeah it's just such an interesting I mean obviously I'm not saying they planned and mastered all these game design ideas and they obviously like oh this is like a battle royale let's make a game like that and tweak it but what they've created is really something interesting and it's while they might have not have reversed engineered in the way we're talking about, it's it behooves people. Even if you don't want to play it, go watch streams. The streams are just enjoyable. Even if this is not your type of game, and if you like just you know breaking down game design, just looking at it, I would recommend at least just checking out some streams of people you like and stuff because they are actually infinitely entertainable. Because entertaining, entertainable, entertaining because they watching this game sometimes is just as good as playing it. Because even like this is the, you would think in a game that lasts 30 minutes and I, if some people might die in the first five minutes, it's still fun to like, if I died, it's still fun to just kind of spectate and watch you guys play and then get a call out. There's a guy right there. There's a guy right there. It's just yeah. as exciting. Um, So very interesting stuff. I mean, you, we could spend a whole series talking about and breaking down different parts of this, but I would recommend just at least checking out and breaking it down on your own. Yeah, because it's definitely one of those kind of a simple rule set, but, you know, very complex inner workings when you get into it. Mm -hmm. all right yeah, let's, it, go ahead yeah. uh, i was about to say like at first i was very very uh, against this game but after watching it a lot more and realizing just how much how, how deep it goes like and how, how many uh different ways you can play the game like it, it's really kind of won me over so yeah that's the kind of secret of any brutal game just like dark souls is like if you just at a glance you're like that's really hard i don't or you, even if you tried it you just get killed like not for me, but if you go, hold on, if you look at the layers, the like how deep it does go, you're like, oh, wait a second. I just need to get, try not sucking more. Right? Get good, son. <laughs> yeah, get good, son. <laughs> so go get PUBG. We have a debug log. I, we have a group on Steam. We need to get some custom matches together. Yeah, there we go. Or at least, all right, you know, compete against yeah. each other's. Oh, we, we didn't even mention there zombie mode, but we'll, we, we'll we haven't that tried for it that much. Time. Yeah, the, the, the feature, again, right as closing this real quick. The future's bright for it. They're going to have some new stuff. Like, we've gotten used to that map. They showed a new map at Gamescom they're going to introduce. It's like this urban desert map, which is cool. They're going to add vaulting. That like They're in a good spot. They made tons I of money. I cannot wait for vaulting. I'll yeah, tell you that. Yeah. They made tons of money, and they have a fun... We always said that about Rust, because Rust made a lot of money at the beginning. We're like, that would be the perfect situation. You make this kind of cool game, and you just get to 
but they got they got into a thing. It's like, well, this game is just so simple. What do we do to it now? Let's rebuild the whole thing. That's what they did. <laughs> like this game is fun because no, this is good, and they can just keep tweaking, adding fun modes, adding more levels, adding you know, it could get this could be this is. I don't think this is just a regular game. Like I think this is getting into like oh, this is like a Dota type game now. This is a game that'll be around yeah, for I, at least a couple few years. I think. Yeah, I think it could definitely hit that level of you know, competitive game that's interesting to watch. So yeah, it's like a CS:GO basically. It's like CS:GO yeah. is not a game that came and win. It's not Gears of War three or something. It's no, that's CS:GO. This is it's a pastime more than a game basically. All right, that's cool. it, PUBG. We'll take yeah. a break and we will be right back. All right, before we go, we want to say go check us out on a daily basis. If you want to discuss the stuff, you want to talk about PUBG, you want to get some games organized, go, the best place to do that is in our Facebook group called the Debug Lounge. Just search for that on Facebook, and we'll add you to it. And it's a really great community. I, I still marvel over that because I am a part of other game. I'm not not game, sorry, Facebook groups for different various subjects and stuff. And there's always salty people and all these other things in there, but... Ours is pretty awesome. Everybody's helping each other, and everybody's pretty positive and sharing their stuff. So the Debug Lounge, join that. You can also help us out if you want to support the show. Go to patreon.com slash the debug log. You can you know donate certain tiers there a month. Possibly we might throw something in there, player known Battlegrounds related soon, maybe. Like a stream or like a game night or something. Yeah, maybe be our fourth man. I don't know. Well, yeah, or well, again, yeah, that or we always had the problem of trying. Remember, we were trying to play in game nights. We're like, how do you do that with a bunch of people? Because like we're playing like Halo or something. There's like five teams. There's a hundred people in a custom match. We can fit a hundred people in a fun custom game. So look for that. Go to Patreon.com. Stay tuned to that, and we'll maybe do something over this fall. That'll be fun. All right, that's it, boys. I think. All right. Another thing. We'll get out of here. We've talked about this enough. We're going to start a new PUBG podcast. All right. <laughs> Until next time on Twitter, you can reach me at Andrew underscore Curry. That's C-U-R-R-I-E. And I am at WookieJumper42. And I am at R-E Kilgore. K-I-L-L-G-O-R-E. And we'll see you next time. Later, peeps. See you.